Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 393 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at our newly revamped website, engageforsuccess.org, to learn more at where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter too. I'm Joe Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, and I'm also managing director and founder of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist advertising agency, and what we mean by that is that we use brand and the techniques of the advertising and marketing world to engage employees and create high-performing cultures inside organizations. And today we're meeting with our special guest, Pam Schmidt, who was their people director is on a mission to drive performance culture at Grays, uh, and we'll be hearing all about that in a moment. So welcome to the show, Pam. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hello. Hello. Um, so I wonder Hello. if we could start, before we, before we ask you um, just to tell us a little bit about who Grays are, uh, I, I do know because I was, uh, I was a very early adopter of the product, but I'm sure that uh, some people <laughs> may not know, uh, and a jolly fabulous product it is too, I have to say. Uh, but before we get into Thank that and, and the story that you're on there in terms of culture, perhaps you could just give our listeners a little bit of an overview of your background in terms of your, your professional story, Pam. Yep, no problem at all. Um, so hello, um, so I'm Pam. I, um, yeah, I'm a professional HR person. I have um, been doing that through um, through a few companies along the way. I, uh, mm-hmm. I started out actually when I was at university. I did a sandwich year um, over at Marks and Spencers, which I then didn't leave, so I carried on there a couple of years. Um, we did uh-huh. some really fun stuff there of like, um, site moves and um, those sorts of things. It's an interesting in a retail business to kind of learn your trade. It's sort of everything very well defined. So it's a great place to start my career. It's, it's um, always a moved. good. It's a good grounding, um, grounding uh, it really place to, to, to sort of earn your spurs, isn't it? Really, retail. You, you certainly. Absolutely. It certainly sets you up for working in lots of other sectors. I think. Yeah, and just that kind of, we're here for the customer's kind of mentality. So although obviously we're HR professionals, we're ultimately here to drive the customer experience and those sorts of things. So um, yes. my two o'clock power hour moment will stay with me forever. Like it's, it's a kind of good reminder of what we're actually here to do ultimately. So it's good. It was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, I interrupted uh, you anyway. After, so yeah. then, then where? Where did we go? So then I went to, uh, so then I graduated and then I went um, to Nestle and joined their um, graduate mm-hmm. program where I had a whirlwind of a ride of, I started up in York and was supporting a couple of the central teams there, kind of learning very much kind of early days of a grad program. And then I went up to the factory up in Newcastle and had a whale of a time, ate far too many fruit pastels. Um, <laughs> very much enjoyed my time there, kind of understanding what the, what happens in manufacturing sizes worlds and uh, yes. kind of what does in, employee engagement mean and in, in a factory basis I had a very easy and lovely time there um, but it looked after me very well and then I went um, I moved down to Croydon um, in their head office team where I supported their food service team whereas their you know, maybe two years I think 
Um, but again, a lovely sort of insight into what does commercial look like and really enjoy that side of the business. And because we were food service, it was a little more complicated to kind of get to know a little bit more around how do how does kind of route to market actually work in quite a complex setting. Um, yeah. So it was there for a little while um, and then relocated because I met my husband and then over a period of time decided that I needed to find a slightly more sensibly located um, role. So it was a bit devastating when I left um, Nestle, but found an amazing opportunity at Kerry Foods, which um, was just a magic experience. Loved every second of it. Um, was there for like eight years. Um, but loved the loved the spirit and the culture of the organisation. It was a hard slog as well. Spent lots of time flying to and fro from from Dublin, but supporting the central teams, the commercial teams, and various cuts of those kind of responsibilities over over the years. And just yeah, lovely lovely organisation. Really valued led. Um, had some sort of really lovely leaders at the time where we were really kind of making a difference and driving that agenda forward. Okay. So yeah, I was there a while. Like I grew up there, had two kids there, got married there, all the all the whole sh- right. shenanigans. So yeah. I've definitely grew up through my career there. So a fond a fond um, time. Well, it sounds like you've got fond memories of everywhere that you've worked. Actually, oh yeah, I'm very fond. Yeah, I love yeah. I love food and I love people and my entire career things of that. So. <laughs> very lucky. Very What's lucky. not to like, eh? What's not to like? Exactly. Absolutely. So now you're now you're people director at Grays. So tell us yes. tell us a little bit about how well first of all, how long have you been with them? So I've nearly been with them two years, which I can't quite believe. I do I always say that there's a different sort of time zone at Grays. It's like Grays time, which sort of makes it feel like you've been there a million years and yet two minutes. Really? But um really fast paced, lovely organisation that sort of keeps us all um, just able to drive change really quickly and with huge resilience in the organization to do that, which is so refreshing. And it's just a brilliant way of kind of um, managing a team and, and getting things kind of moving, which is which is really, really nice. Really but Graves is a... So tell yeah, us, tell us, is sort tell of us a, a little bit about Grays then. What 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 yeah. what are they? Who are they? What do they do? What's the what's the sort of size and scale and 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 so on? Just a, a few sort of a little bit of a snapshot. Yeah, so um, we are a food organisation. So um, we're probably most known for kind of where the company started, which is in a direct to consumer um, sort of basis. So it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Really, kind of a tech company at heart is um, the snacks in a box to your door kind of on a subscription basis and because of I'm that jolly good they real, were too. and they're amazing they are, they are still amazing um, <laughs> I enjoy mine every Thursday um, but they yeah kind of real nice um, lens on healthy snacking so very much important mm-hmm. to us that we're we're kind of driving a different edge it's not chocolate it's not crisps it's something something much more wholesome and much more healthy for, for people um, yeah. And then the business kind of grew, and then we moved into retail. Um, still, only probably like five or six years ago, so still actually mm-hmm. relatively new in that space. But um, there was a big pull um, from the retailers in terms of wanting those products and wanting those products at kind of the till point. So, it kind of had a massive growth um, growth surge there. We kind of did expansion, um, and, and all the good things that happened to. Um, to a startup and yeah grew grew into where we are today we were acquired a couple of years ago um, by Unilever so we're kind of in their in their family although it's a really nice working relationship in that sort of it's kind of a best of both model where we get to take advantage of their expertise and their 
um, strengths that they have there in the retail customers and and also we get to kind of be nimble and independent and, and do as we want to do. So it's a really nice oh, that's kind of model. I was going to ask you about yeah. that dynamic because, yeah, I was very much aware that, of Grays as a startup organization and, and then knowing that they've become part of Unilever, I wondered wondered what that had meant for things. But But it's very much the best of both worlds then, you'd say. Yeah, I sort of feel like they're our friends that you can kind of go and get in, mm. like get a helpful hints and tips or a tool or insight and some like phenomenal expertise and depth in that organization. And, and I have to say yeah. through COVID has been so reassuring that we've been supported by a kind of business like Unilever that are incredibly supportive of his employees and wanting to do the right thing and, you know, really helped us make all the decisions we'd have wanted to make, but um, in a way, you know, you're, you're kind of couched with that kind of level of protection. So um, it, it's a really nice arrangement, I think. Right. So, so it's kind of like they're wrapping a they're kind of wrapping a protective arm around you and giving you a little bit of a leg up from time to time. But they're not kind of they're not kind of interfering. You're still sort of free to to be true to yourselves. Yeah, and obviously there are certain things that we have to comply with. But yeah, very much. Hmm. Um, it's all the stuff you'd want to do anyway. So it's kind yes. of um, it's sort of no great shakes is that the you know you want to have some good business practices i think that's what you want to operate yeah, by anyway absolutely. So. absolutely so you you were saying you've been there two years and um that, that yes. as of course the last what the last 14 months um has been yes. under the under the sort of um shadow of covid so you touched on that just now but what what's been the impact yes. of that from a from a people perspective for you yeah, so it's an interesting mix, really, because we have we have our own manufacturing facilities, and then we obviously have a head office sort of um, professional head office people. So you've kind of got these two different things going on at once. So, I mean, we've been having to, we we've never stopped our operation. We did, I think we closed one of the sites for a day to um, move the lines around so we could maintain social distancing and. Um, moved where they eat their lunch around and those sorts of things but other than that we have yeah. operated throughout and right. I think you forget because it's been a bit of a whirlwind that you know those early days where it was like should we be buying people masks and mm. um, how do we how do we actually deal with this two meter economy issue that's that's going on but we have absolutely put people at the heart of every decision we've made and we've really kind of done absolutely everything everything we can do as I said with sort of support from Unilever um, mm. but supporting people with transport, making sure that people aren't having to put themselves into, you know, riskier positions than they than they need to from a site perspective. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I guess from the flip of that is those of us like myself who've been working from home forever, um, you know, that you're dealing with, you know, equally well-being questions, but different well-being questions. And how do you keep connected and how do you drive a culture agenda and and values and performance edge when you know you're not seeing people and you're not having some of those you know water cooler conversations as I know everyone talks about but it's just how do you how do you really continue that positive energy that is in our business that makes us so special in hmm. a working from home kind of situation yeah I think this is the big thing that worries people more than anything isn't it is how do you how do we not lose that I think you know there's a great deal of um, positiveness about the whole about the way the people are looking at sort of hybrid workplaces but I think the big thing is how do we how do we bottle that energy how do we not dissipate that energy and how do we keep that innovation and creativity going which of course is is so important isn't it so you touched on your 
um, performance culture and, and, and the mission you're on. So that, that leads us rather nicely into, into the real kind of main thrust of our conversation today, Pam. Um, your mission to drive a performance culture uh, at Grays. So tell us a little bit about that. How, how did it come about? What was the, what was the driver behind it? Yeah, so um, through, through COVID, I mean, we in some pockets of our business, we've done brilliantly. You know, more mm-hmm. people are at home and therefore kind of our subscription business has done really well. But mm-hmm. those snacks that people buy as they get on the train or are kind of on the go offering, beginning of, uh, for instance, till points in retailers obviously damaged very badly. So we, we're kind of trying to recoup um, some challenges to our to our performance but also we've got massive ambition that we want to you know we want to still be in that kind of startup you know mm-hmm. double digit growth mentality drives business forward and the more you're doing that the more permission you have as a business to continue to, to drive those those successes and, and that sort of mm-hmm. all the great opportunities that come out of being a, a business in growth so yeah. um, we had a new CEO start at the back end of last yeah, and it's not to say we haven't spoken about performance forever, because we always do, um, but with a different kind of edge. And actually, she did a kind of number of conversations with people as part of her onboarding. And there was definitely a question raised around, you know, how do we make sure we're prioritizing the right thing? And how do we make sure we're really driving that performance? So we switched gear from kind of trying to look at retention and engagement and how do we kind of keep people settled into then, right, how do we really drive on on performance? Um, and it's a bit countercultural, to be honest. It feels right. a little bit difficult because our people are very lovely and very nice and very friendly. So to have <laughs> a really sharp conversation around performance feels a little bit un, ungrazed. Um, so right. we need to do something quite conscious to drive that forward. So Joanna came in and she was really keen that we moved to OKRs as a structure of doing kind of appraisals and, and really driving that kind of clarity of direction really linked up across all the organization and, and driving that forward but I was having can a, you for the, sorry to interrupt Pam just for the benefit of some of our listeners yeah. OKR stands for it stands for objective and key result yeah, thank you very much You're welcome. it's the kind of Microsoft thing that starts Microsoft maybe Google me I've just quoted the wrong company but tech company okay. kind of startup of that thought process around really focusing on what are you actually trying to achieve rather than the tasks which I really like mm-hmm. that kind of what are we what are we actually delivering for okay yes um, yes which obviously plays very so, much to your professional background in terms of the organizations you've worked for before where you've always had this eye on the commercial deliverable yes. and, and the customer that that long thread to the customer you know how do we how do we make sure this all kind of plays and joins together properly yeah exactly exactly mm. and how do we not get totally overwhelmed by everybody having great ideas and everybody wanting to do a brilliant job but actually then i mean i've never been in an organization where prioritization isn't a problem but how do you wade through what's a good idea versus the best ideas that will make the biggest differences um mm-hmm. so that kind of structure really helps with that all the way up and all the way down so it's like everything's cascaded through the organization so everybody's individual's objectives loop up to uh, their team objectives which link up to the company's objectives it's it's really transparent in terms of Mm -hmm. what you're driving for Mm -hmm. um 
so that's all well and good but in our lovely culture of all oh, that feels a bit um a bit different wanted to wrap it around you know performance doesn't come from just telling people what to do there's sort of a there's a real balance there in, in driving what's important to people themselves as well and it's not just the what's it's the how so how do we make sure that we focus on you know the deliverables and, and how we do that and, and how we make those decisions along the way rather than just driving the what in the mm-hmm. OKR process so we put together an agenda that was kind of around um, sort of three different areas one was around driving accountability which is very much kind of OKRs as the what's and our values as the how's and then we do that on a quarterly basis with sort of formal rating processes now we've done all of one round so we're definitely still learning as we go it's definitely not complete and finished but the intent is that that sort of drives that real clarity of what people are doing and why they're doing it and how they're delivering and, and how we can you know do even better mm-hmm. um, and then the second piece then which is more the how do we how do we really hold the special culture and, and those things together is you know how do you also pay attention to what's motivating each individual team member what's important to them how are they doing yeah. with their well-being how are we actually rewarding it um so we, we sort of realigned our reward program to really make sure that we're we're focusing on on that delivery so you're practicing what you preach you know all that kind of good basics but that actually everything is is lined up but wrapped around with really personal conversations around what impact does that have for you and what do you want to get out of this and how do you grow and develop within that um, and then clearly the third sort of areas around how do we then support people through a kind of capability perspective so you know, line managers is a big deal for us so making sure that you know there's a consistent experience so we put some tools in place but we've trained people so that they have kind of similar conversations across the patch so you don't get that um, very different experience depending on who your who your manager is it's important that there's that consistency um, in place so as I said yes it's, um, it's all kind of quite new but it's definitely um, definitely the mission that we're on is that how do we how do we drive the business agenda and business performance but also pay attention to what's important to our people and make it really engaging and personally exciting place to be so you get the kind of best of both model of of really driving really driving from data um and also then sort of delivering that that people culture that we have yeah i was i was going to ask you i wanted to ask you pam about as you were describing this process and i think you know it's interesting you you you're saying it's it, it's very conscious. It's a very it, you know you have to be quite intentional about how you do these things. Um, and and the role of line managers, people people leaders, team leaders. Um, how how difficult did they find this? Did, did they did they embrace it? Or I mean, you've talked about how you supporting people's capability. Um, was this was this culturally such a departure that um, you've had to work very hard at supporting people, or or was it people sort of engage with it because they they understood what was what they were trying to achieve and sort of you know bought into it yeah yeah I mean it's not been without its challenges as ever Mm -hmm. but Grace is so pacey in its ability to change and so resilient that actually the pace in which you can shift people and move people on is really fast right and there is a general openness to people and wanting to help people through that kind of process. So the fact that we've aligned um, excuse me, <laughs> um, reward to that mm-hmm. means that people are really bought in. They don't want anybody to not have the best outcome. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And, and I know you, you um, describe this as being, and I think this is, you know, clear, you've kind of touched on this already, this very much a people-centric organization, but it's a, it's a data-driven and people-centric approach. So um, yeah. when you say data-driven, is that about constant measurement? Um, is it constant um, you know, filling things in and monitoring? You know, how, does, how does being data-driven um, sort of present itself? Yeah, it's it's kind of our special power in many ways as a as a company. So um, <laughs> I love that special gonna, power. Love it. It's going to cost a second. <laughs> we have um, we have in proportion tech capability than, than you'd expect from an organisation of our scale and uh, and and age because of the the D C um, origins of the business. Of course. So right. our ability to crunch data is phenomenal, and the ability yeah. to um, to really drive commercial decisions from that is, is really powerful. Uh-huh. But what we've done is we, from a, from a people perspective, is we've, we've um, invested in a, a, some good systems um, to really make sure that, that that data pulls through. So I know exactly how many well-being conversations have been happen, happening. I know exactly where our overall well-being percentage is. I know we use um, a tool called OpenBlend. I know what's on people's what's important to them and, and where they're at currently and where the gaps are. And we can see what's important to our total organization um, and where, where the shifts are making. Mm-hmm. So it just means that we can make central initiative decisions um, based on that, on that data. Um, so right. yes, of course, we're doing the tracking and the how are we doing against the objectives we, so we can see the progress that we're making quarter by quarter mm-hmm. and conversation by conversation. But it's a bit broader than that, which just really helps to wrap yeah. around the whole people agenda yeah no absolutely i'm i'm interested in this idea um i mean because obviously well-being conversations have taken shot up the agenda in the last sort of 14 months haven't they and and yeah. the, and the the challenges of those well-being conversations being that they're perhaps um with remote work you know those office people who are working remotely i know obviously manufacturing you've maintained that as well but um how how much help have you had to give your line managers and, and people team leaders to have those well-being conversations? Because again, I know we're coming back to capability, but they're not, they don't necessarily come that naturally to people, do they? No, not always. I mean, we've got some great, um, great people leaders and people that just generally care about each other, which is a great place to start. Of course, um, yeah. But I said the, the, tool, the tool that we have in place helps because you're, mm. there are some set questions that the um, individual sort of self-rates and they have a conversation about them. So there's kind of a common starting point for conversations, which is helpful. We've done yeah. various tra- training and support, um, but we also have a, um, a quite a heavy um, a number of mental health first aiders that we have like, kind of time to talk to and call them, but they're, they're phenomenal. They do a huge amount of kind of proactive support for people um, mm-hmm driving all sorts of agenda. They put on some nutrition conversations a few weeks ago to sort of help people in that space. But they're there to sort of have one-to-one conversations with anybody as they need them. Or support managers if, if there's a request there as well. So uh, there's a kind of double-edged sword of mental health first aiders and line manager. And then I guess we support and we wrap around by trying to sort of give some capability build and, you know, you pick up the conversation and make sure <laughs> that's managed consistently and fairly. So kind of a, a full holistic approach and then we have all the kind of usual health cares and those sorts of things when people are really yes. needing a, a kind of a bigger intervention yeah 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Understood. And now you you, t- you talked about values earlier, and I think um, I think I'm right in saying I'm sorry that you you've recently launched some new values. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that, how they how they came about, um, and yeah. and you know how they were just how they were defined, really. Yeah. So um, we we relaunched our purpose actually um, just before I joined the business. And I, I came in and we were doing a bit of work around how do we tell the story of Grey's and what's the history of it. Mm-hmm. And actually I was standing up and, and I was supposed to be presenting on on the current values that were then. I just had this real mm-hmm. moment of like, they're just not special enough. They're just pretty ordinary and, and like they don't speak to the super special magic that there is in this organization and actually the direction and where we want to take the business. So we kind of took that okay. moment as a, right, let's actually start again. Right. They were a and bit motherhood and apple pie. They could have been anybody's kind of thing. Was that exactly. the sort of sense? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's you know, so like often the case. And, it's so often the um, case and it's such a missed opportunity because they really are crucial to deliver your organizational strategy. And yet they often plucked out of the air or brought from another company or whatever, you know, there could be yeah. a bit too generic. Well, literally wallpapered, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Very generic. Very generic. So they were not untrue of us, but they were just not special enough. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we went on a journey of, of re, rewriting them, really. So we, we did lots of kind of engagement sessions with our teams, got their points of view, talked about what do we, what do we, who we are, what do we want to be, and, and then kind of finished that with our, new CEO coming aboard so we could really align to kind of her vision of, of the future. So we were delighted with them. I'm going to read them for you. Um, there are five. There are four grazers. There's restlessly imaginative. There's fueled by data. There's altogether unique. And there's trailblazing for better. So really oh, that's nice, kind fabulous. Of. They're lovely. They are so, I'm so impressed, Pam. I, I get so frustrated by passion and integrity and teamwork, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's lovely to some things are quite overdone, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are, and they're just so undifferentiated. And those those really do. I mean, I don't know anything much about your culture there, other than what I've learned in the last twenty five minutes. But um, I can hear I can hear Grace shining through that. So yeah, they're they're wonderful. They're really really good. Um, and when did they get launched then? So we launched them towards the back end of last year. So we kind of launched l- launched them, launched concepts of our OKRs and launched a new system. So we kind of had this quite heavy going uh, launching process, but um, the, all the pieces of the puzzle came out sort of at similar time. So right. we were really clear on the what and the how in the same moment. So yeah. there's still a lot of work to embed them and to bring them to life. But they're, yeah, and you, so they're they, this all really launched at the end of, during the COVID pandemic then? Yeah. So how yeah. how did yeah, yeah tell, tell us then we've, we've only got a few minutes left but just quick question um, how did you what would you say was the biggest thing you learned about launching a, va- a new set of values and a new approach to performance management uh, about launching that in the middle of a kind of the challenges of, of of a pandemic what was the what was your big learning would you say Pam Yeah, I think. You've got to be bold and you've got to go for it, but you've got to go for it in a way where you're willing to learn as you go. There's been lots mm-hmm. of challenges and lots of questions and lots of bits of course correction, but actually if you go into it with that mentality that we know kind of why we're trying to do this and we're, we're driving that agenda, but actually we might do something wrong and we'll figure it out and we'll do something a bit different and, and, and make it better each time, but it's almost yeah. better 
better to start and give it a go and take people on that learning journey with you and and have that positive yeah. intent than it is to sort of try and wait and make it perfect. Like we had that yeah. moment with the values where we were waiting for a few months where we were like, oh, we want to wait until we're out of COVID. Ha, ha. Um, and actually <laughs> get to a point you're like, you know what, you just got to go with it. Um, you know, it yeah. won't be perfect. I can't have the party that I'd love to have, but um, they, they still speak right to the business and they'll still set it up. And then, you know, we'll keep having those parties when we, we possibly can. Although we are pretty good at a virtual party these days. I was going to yeah. say, did you, did you get everyone together virtually or what? How did you, how yeah. did you, how did you actually launch them? Um, so we, I mean, we have a full kind of company meet every other week anyway. So um, mm-hmm. we sort of, talks and we, we we shared them through some examples of, of what that looks like but people have been sort of involved in co-creating them um, and then as we go back into the office over the next number of weeks with there's a number of activities they are literally in neon on my wall I'm so excited um, uh-huh. so that, a bit more exciting than wallpaper but you know and how do we drive recognition behind them and how do we you know drive some of those programs so that they'll they'll come to life and we'll celebrate them more and more Excellent, excellent. So, that, so there, I mean, this whole idea that don't wait for everything to be 100% perfect, this idea of it's taking a slightly iterative approach, an approach that learns together, um, that, that's very much grounded in the, in the sort of history of, a, of a, an agile yeah. startup, isn't it, really? Absolutely, absolutely. So it's yeah. wedded in our DNA, which means that people are totally, like, um, accepting of that type of approach. Absolutely. absolutely reminding them, but it's, it's kind of accepted. Excellent, excellent. Now that's that's great. That's a great piece of advice, and I'm sure anyone else who's thinking about going on uh, on a journey like this, uh, in, particularly in the current climate, um, would would be well yeah. well advised to to think in those terms. So, um, thank you very much indeed, Pam Schmidt from Gray, for joining us, sharing your story. Uh, thank you all for listening, and um, we'll see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. So thank you and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.